Texas. They say everything's bigger here, and they're right. We've got big cars. I mean really big cars. Have you seen our trucks? They take up a parking space and a half. They're gigantic. And we like them that way. It's got a Texas-sized podcast as well. And this is it. Right here. Fort Hood's great big podcast. Yeehaw. Shout out to our neighbors in the north, Baylor University. Beat the, and why am I hearing myself and not you? Say something. Uh, no wonder I turned off your mic. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. I'll say something smart. No, Baylor University. They did it. Beat the 31-0 Gonzaga Bulldogs. Was, they actually made them cry. 80. Six to seven. It was crazy. They were crying. There were tears involved. It wasn't even close. Mm-mm. It wasn't even close. Uh, to, uh, uh, truth in advertising, I did not watch that game. <laughs> did I hear you? No, because you turned off my mic. Oh. No, her mic's on. They just turned yeah, off everybody. It is now. Oh, well, they, what? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you don't want to hear anything we had to say today. That's, <laughs> that's cool. Man, that makes no sense. All right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Nothing but makes the, sense. Well, the gang's almost all here. Yes. So we got Melissa. We got Kelvin. Hey. And uh, <laughs> Bri- Brianna got to the door <laughs> of the building and didn't have the proper, oh proper identification. I thought she was going to get tackled trying to come back here. I feel like we're on a real radio let's, show. Let's, <laughs> let's see what's going on here. Come on. You going to pick up? But pick I'm up. here all the time. Stop, ma'am. Stop. Man, if this goes to voicemail, we told her we were calling. Hello. Hello. Hi. You're on the Fort Hood Great Big Podcast. Excellent. I've been trying to do that for yeah. the last 20 minutes. I heard that. Yeah. Frantic texts back and forth. So I know. I hate it. So you lost your driver's license? Well, I don't think it's lost. I think it's in a purse that it must have fallen out of my wallet. I'm hoping it's not lost. Uh, but, yeah, that, like, whole stomach drop feeling, and you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Where is it? The DMV is the worst, too. I don't wish that on anyone. I, yeah, well, I know. You, know, you got nothing better to do for a whole day, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, well, I do have a passport, so if worse comes to worse, I can just use that. Uh, but I'd rather have the driver's license, obviously. I feel bad because I did not know it wasn't in there. <laughs> Driving here fast. <sighs> Prior <laughs> planning. Oh, well. So I, yeah. I have to ask you, because you were out wearing various outfits this weekend. Tell me about the yeah. ant farm. oh yeah it's great my feet are so itchy right now it's crazy especially like with the boots on it's the worst but i put band-aids on the really big welts because they were fire ants for for those of you that had never saw the photograph brianna was out taking photographs in the central texas region uh, walking around in blue bonnet fields, correct? Blue bonnets. Yes, 
that that's correct. And you happened to step on a what? I stepped on a huge fire ant mound oh, that I had mm, mm. no idea I was standing in. That's how they get until you. Until it all yeah. started fighting. Attack. <laughs> I, I've done that mowing the lawn. Oh, yeah. When they're not really oh. that big, but then the blades hit it, and then they like a gazillion of them start flowing out of the ground. It's oh, not fun. Yeah. Yes. And they, I, they were all coming out. And they're not happy with you when they come out. Oh. Oh, no, they definitely weren't. It was awful. I I probably had, like, 50. I mean, I just looked down, and it looked like my shoes were dancing and my feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you survived. Yeah. You're not, you're not super I allergic did. to them, though, are you? I am not, no. Yeah, because my wife blows no up fun. on those things. Yep. Her, her, oh, she, yeah. She swells up. Yeah, my mom is, um, she has a hard time with fire ant bites as well. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm really sorry you got stuck at security today. Security. But, you know, yeah. hey, we got you on anyway. Yeah, that's right. Whoa, what I happened? Really now she all went of from a sudden, speakerphone to Oh, you were on here. speaker for a second. That's why you sounded so loud. Yeah. Huh? I, I had you attached to my car, and, and then I realized that it'd probably be better if I was just talking to you without speakerphone. Oh, you're totally right. You sound wonderful <laughs> now. Oh, okay, good. Sorry. I was like, oh, hmm. Actually, I had to pot you down while you were on speaker. It was like, whoa, uh, that's oh, kind sorry. of garbled, but no, it's all good. So, Okay, good. Yeah. Melissa, you missed last mm. week. She was actually on the show. You weren't. And now she's outside the door and you're here. Yeah. So tell me, we haven't talked to you in more than a week. What's up? Oh, a lot of, a lot of moving parts. We have a lot of stuff going on over at the brigade. And... At three core with war fighters, so pulling double duties. So you're fighting the war. Yes. Wow. Are, <laughs> Are we winning? winning? Yeah, exactly. We're fighting the information <laughs> war. <laughs> Are we winning? Yeah, we're winning. Well, there you go. Speaking of Love war it. fighters, right? Yeah, this is a short intro. Oh yeah. Speaking of war fighters, we do have a fairly lengthy interview with the command team of the Third Armored Corps, America's Hammer. And oh, Fort Hood. America's Hammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that is coming up right after this. Yes. Mess up for safety. Mess up for safety. In the store. You walk in the door. Mess up for safety. Mess up for safety. Day or night. Do what's right. Look, bad jingles aren't going to stop the coronavirus but wearing a mask or a face covering can help lower the chance of infection or spread. So do your part and mask up. Or we may just have to keep singing. Masks on for safety, masks on for safety. Be a mouth and noser or else you're a poser. Do what's right, save a life, wear a mask. What does resiliency mean to you? For the folks at Fort Hood Resiliency Campus, Resiliency is helping folks help themselves. The campus offers a wide range of programs, each aimed at assisting Fort Hood units and individuals in need of morale and team-building opportunities. Through programs like the Applied Fitness Center, Military Life Counselors, the Army Wellness Center, Nutrition Clinic, and the Warrior Quest Adventure Program, the Resiliency Campus Headquarters is located on the fifth floor of the Shoemaker Center on Darnall Loop. 
To find out more about what the Fort Hood Resiliency Campus can offer you, look them up on Facebook or give them a call at 254-285-5693. It's what your tax dollars sound like. Fort Hood's great big podcast. And we're back. And as promised, we do have the command team of the 3rd Armored Corps. Welcome back, Command Sergeant Major Cliff Burgoyne. And sir, welcome, Lieutenant General Pat White, Commanding General, 3rd Armored Corps. Good to have you here, sir. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do some editing here though. So when you say third armored core, take a breath, America's hammer. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can edit that in commanding general of third armored core. America's, America's hammer. hammer. There you go. There you go. You both Good. said it. Now we'll work it in there. Uh, all right, sir. A little bit of a history lesson. The command sergeant major actually did his first appearance. Uh, of course, nobody sees him, but did his first appearance in late September of last year. And he was in here talking about Phantom Action and Phantom Action Week and what that all meant. And that was actually kind of the forerunner to Operation People First, um, which is now almost six months into it. So from your foxhole, which is the biggest foxhole on Fort Hood, Let's talk about people first, and where where are we six months into that process? Yeah, I think um, first I'd say we've been people first and for 245 years. Yeah, you're right about that. So, you know, yeah, we got a named operation now here inside the Third Armored Corps, America's Hammer. Uh, and, you know, and we're, and we're getting after some things that I think all soldiers and all leaders understand are important. First, we know we're a people business. Uh, the chief of staff of the Army, General McConville, he's, he's got something where he says, you know, without our people, we're just pieces of equipment sitting in motor pools. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a great visual if you think about it. But there's nothing that we do that does not require a person, a.k.a. a soldier, right, inside of our profession of arms. So People First is really intended to get after charging our leaders to understand and know their people both their strengths, weaknesses, vulnerabilities, things they need, and then when in care, get them somewhere or get them some help if they need some help, and if not, train harder. Sure. Because uh, that's our job. You know, We're the United States Army professional arms. Um, and so everything centers around that, mm-hmm. which is, okay, you're a soldier first. You have responsibilities as a soldier. I'm your leader. I have responsibilities as your leader. And here are some things I expect you to be able to do. And we started off taking, you know, phantom action, transforming it into people first by, by stepping back and saying, you know, I can't ask soldiers and leaders to do things if I don't make sure they have the right tools to do it. Right. So the first thing we did was take time in October to put out kind of what the standards are. Sure. And then provide teams an opportunity to certify small unit leaders. Then connect the small unit leaders or reconnect small unit leaders back to their soldiers. Right. That took what you think three months, our major get three, four months we gave teams. Right. Yeah. Now we're in phase two, which is, I gave you all that time that you mm-hmm. were asking for. Right. I gave you some tasks. I put some 
conditions on it. Uh, now I'm going to hold you accountable. Sure. Right. I'm going to hold you accountable. So you owe it to your soldiers to have done those things we ask you to do. Um, but of course we understand as the Sergeant Major talks all the time about, you know, we have a lot of transition. So all those people back in October that we gave time, right. some of those people are gone. Sure. So now how do we handle it? Well, well, the good thing is, sir, is that that those people have gone off to other duty stations and they'll have something to reflect back on. Uh, I think it's a continuous education process, uh, yearly, monthly, weekly, biannually. I mean, it's that's how we educate our soldier, and that's part of the education. That's part of the development process of a soldier. But, you, you know, as you talked about people first, sir, you always go back to, who was the person that was the most influential to you? And it was your platoon sergeant, Jimmy McCants, when yeah. you were a lieutenant. Mine was a sergeant major. You know, we don't think back, oh, that weapon was the most influential thing or that tank or that truck. It was the person. And that's what we remember the most. Right. Uh, and th- that's who did the most good for me it, at a young, as a young soldier was my sergeant major. And his was his platoon sergeant, Jimmy McCants. He was ball fire. Master gunner on tanks, uh, you know, wide-eyed second lieutenant showing up to Fort Lewis. Um, Selected armor based on some experiences during summer camp. That's a really cool machine. Hey, I don't got to carry my rucksack. I can put it in the back (laughs) of the bustle. I mean, there were some things right Right. there. Sir, you were a fast learner. Right. (laughs) I wasn't that fast. (laughs) Uh, But the thing he always talked about, and thanks for bringing it up, Sergeant Major, he's like, look, you know, sir, if there's one thing you do, if you just take care of these other 14 people that are in your platoon, right. you're not going to have a problem because we're going to take care of you. Exactly. And and so we're trying to get back to that, right? Like f- for our young leaders, feel that and believe in it, you know, and don't make this a nine to five job where you show up PT at 630, at 1730, release formation, you're gone and you're not a part of your soldier's life. Right. Like soak it up. I don't, you know, Sergeant Major talks about it way better than I do. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Operation People First, it's, uh, you started it here. It is the, the, the Army has adopted it, let's face it. Um, uh, late March of the, on the Army homepage, the Stand 2 um, section of that, uh, the photograph that was on the Army homepage was of Hood Stadium uh, where you were addressing almost 2,000 soldiers socially distanced uh, in the bleachers at Hood Stadium. But... What they were talking about in this Stand 2 article was, you know, the People Force Task Force. They were talking about the missing soldier policy. They were talking about project inclusion. They, they, they talked about the Defense Organizational Climate Survey that's coming up. And they also talked about something that's going on right now, and that's extremism stand-down across the Army. So from the Corps foxhole and from, you know, that's a lot of folks. That's, what, a quarter of the Army? Uh what what's let's talk extremism and why is it important to address it across the formation extremism one uh it's it's a corrosive and we don't need it in our army we don't want it in our army we don't want it on our team so we're an army of 1.2 million that we're a team we're, we're no different than an nfl team uh you, you wouldn't see a left guard move out of the way to let the defense tackle the quarterback from you know from right. their team, from you the wouldn't Saints, do that. Like, but unless it was the Saints. Part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not true. Who that, sir? But, um, you know, 
it, it's fanatical. I mean, it really is. And, you know, as we were talking earlier before you know, the show, we were talking to the doctor and who we're going to introduce in a moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Did I step on you? Um, a little bit. Hey, it, but it's all good. It, it really is. It, it, uh, it's hard for me to understand because I, I've been a, on a team, uh, for, for 35 years mm-hmm. and, and I wouldn't do anything, uh, to harm teammates. I wouldn't do anything to, to go against the team. Um, and, and it's just hard for me to imagine somebody being that hateful, that fanatical about something that's not willing to, because, uh, you know, we serve our country. Mm-hmm. We serve for our soldiers to our left and our right. And uh, I, I want everybody to be a part of it. I want I want everybody to understand what I feel, the passion I feel about our Army. General White talks about, you know, he's passionate about being in the Army, um, you know, if if you're if you feel that way, get out and go do something different because uh, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna take it. Sure, just not. Yeah, I think you know. Um, I was thinking about this the other day because Star Major and I, you know, we're trying to we're trying to affect behavior and make ex- extremism unacceptable in our ranks. And there are a number of things that we don't want inside our army. Um, this this really swings the pendulum a long way. And I was like, how? How would I be able to relate to a soldier how important it is to shed some of this behavior and get it out of our army? Or, of course, correct as a soldier and don't be a part of extremism anymore. And so bear with me because you're going to be like, what in the world is he talking about? (laughs) So my dad was in the Air Force, and he retired as a master sergeant. And we were stationed overseas a lot. Uh, One of the places that he was stationed was the Philippines, Clark Air Base. Sure. And we happened to be there when I was a little kid from 69 um, till about 74, some pretty prime years as we came out of Vietnam. Right. And, and I remember, and this is a story we haven't talked about. And so as a school kid going to Lily Hill, right, fifth and sixth grade, every morning we had to go out on the airfield. We had to receive the POWs back. Yeah. Okay. So as a kid, I didn't understand what I was doing. Right. Everybody had their bracelets, right? If you're... Service member came back. You got to take the bracelet off, right, and present it to him. And if they didn't, you're supposed to keep it forever. Wow. Well, anyway, you know, as a kid, you're like, man, I got to go out in the air every day. But what, what, what I thought about the other day was if I could make every soldier who thinks they want to be a part of an extremist organization stand out on that airfield and, you know, they're your, your age, your age starting Ringgold, you know, my age, which is 39, um, and watch these POWs come off of an airplane from Vietnam, from somewhere being locked up for God knows how long and what they look like being helped and carried off and the care that they would be given. You would never, ever, ever want to do anything to allow that to happen again. Extremist behavior separates you from our army. That's what it does. And, you know, and, and those guys, they needed every help, they all the help they could get. Right. Um, And so somehow getting people to live, the importance of being a part of something greater than yourself and the return of those American service members was a part of that. I think, I, I think that folks uh, who serve probably we don't understand the mindset and that's why we have uh, Dr. Daniel Milton with us. Uh, sir, can you hear me? I can hear you loud <laughs> and clear. Perfect. Dr. Daniel Milton is a associate professor at West Point. And he's a research fellow with the Combating Terrorism Center 
at West Point. And I think anybody that would know anything about the mindset about folks and how they get to these extreme uh, beliefs, uh, you're the guy to ask. I mean, how prevalent is it in America as a whole, I guess, to start off with? Well, first of all, thanks for being willing to have me in such distinguished company. I'm I'm glad <laughs> to be a go. part of this conversation. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, but it's you know it's hard to 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 assess what the baseline is. But what we do know is that unfortunately, a number of extremist beliefs and ideologies have had uh, plenty of opportunities to manifest themselves in the United States. Uh, over the past decades, right? And so we've seen uh, whether it's uh, early on uh, seeing individuals who uh, carried some of that hatred uh, toward uh, individuals who were of another ethnicity or another race. We've seen a religious manifestation. Uh, Unfortunately, Fort Hood had its own experience with that with Major Nadal Hassan, who carried out uh, a violent act, and we've certainly seen it in broader society as well. Um, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has spent a lot of its time and energy trying to deal with extremists in, in the country. And unfortunately, uh, according to public testimony given by Director Ray, the investigations range into the thousands. And so, uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge that we're, that we're all too familiar with here in the States. What about in in the ranks? I mean, you're there at West Point, and I'm sure the the focus is inward somewhat from from your foxhole. Do we mirror the rest of society, or is does the military lend itself to you know drawing folks or draw, you know getting getting uh, recruited? I guess you know there's an there's a, an interesting relationship between kind of military experience and, and extremist organizations. Uh, the first thing probably worth saying is that even extremism in society, when it feels overwhelmingly prevalent, it's not the majority view. It's not how most people are, right? Right. Uh, by definition, extremists tend to be extreme, right? On right. the kind of end of a distribution. And so I would never want to think that in society or in the military that it's a, a, a problem that is, you know, representative of the majority of individuals. However, we do find that there are troubling signs. Uh, a 2019 survey by Military Times found that when polling 1,600 active duty soldiers, 36% of them viewed some form of extreme white supremacy being demonstrated in their careers by somebody. I mean, that's a that's a that's a startling statistic, even if we assume that it's a little bit overblown and it should be a little bit lower. That's a concerning thing when it comes to thinking about our ranks. When we look at recent cases, we also see a couple of uh, of of bits of evidence that suggest that there are there are potential problems. We had an individual who was arrested for plotting to ambush uh, military units abroad. Uh, an active duty soldier who was going to engage in that activity. And so unfortunately there are, there, there are cases that, that indicate that it's, that it's not a, it's not a problem that we don't have. Um, Wow. So what's the answer? And, and I'm just, just, I guess I'm curious, 
what do you teach the young officers or the future officers of the army there at West Point when you're, when you're discussing this type of issue in America? Well, I think, um, unfortunately, uh, there is no silver bullet that's going to address this problem. One of the things that we've learned over decades of research in uh, the radicalization process, what leads people to become extreme, uh, differs greatly from one individual to the next. Mm -hmm. And so it may be the case that for somebody, extremist ideology fills uh, a gap that they experience in their lives after a personal loss or trauma. For others, it becomes a way for them to exercise authority over other people. For others, it's a social engagement. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. And so, unfortunately, there's no simple solution. But I really liked listening to um, what General White and the Sergeant Major were talking about earlier. When it comes to building a cohesive team, there's a lot that can be done by the person who's in the foxhole next to you. Right? That's where I think a lot of the uh, the opportunity exists. Um, you all are probably familiar. I'm sure you saw this, you know, several years back. Are you familiar with the, the campaign? If you see something, say something, have you got, you know, yeah, you've heard of that, mm-hmm. right? What we've found over studying extremism is that, you know, the person who's most likely to see something is not some random person who happens to observe troubling behavior. It's a friend. It's a colleague. It's a supervisor and helping empower those people to uh, to be able to know what to do, know how to respond and to know that they're doing it from a position of making the team better, I think, is is part of how we in the military try to get ahead of this problem um, as opposed to just simply saying extremism is bad, which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really trying to empower the people who are closest to the problem. And again, that's that's the people who are the friends and colleagues and uh, and battle buddies that that are seeing these things and, and not sure what to do about it. I've got one last question for you, doctor, and it's uh, most of the folks uh, in this room are a little bit older than our average soldier and uh, mature. Uh, yeah, a little bit more mature, <laughs> um, but. I wonder, what's the impact of the fact that younger folks now are not uh, communicating face-to-face the way I did when I was a teenager, and the fact that everybody lives on their cell phone or online or is in cyberspace instead of in your face? That's a a great question. I think one of the things that uh, look, social media does a lot of great stuff for us. It gives us access to a lot of wonderful information, but it also greatly empowers us to make choices about the type of information that we expose ourselves to, the type of connections that we engage in. And so as opposed to going down to the local watering hole and hearing perspectives from different people or going to a social gathering and, and engaging with people who have different backgrounds, if I'm online, I can choose exactly who I engage with and exactly the type of information that I'm exposed to. And that can be dangerous because part of what protects people against extremism is uh, a diversity of experience, a diversity of thought, right? It doesn't mean that you have to believe everything that someone says that's different than what you believe. 
but it certainly makes you think differently about people. I was, uh, I had the opportunity, um, a little while back to engage with an individual, not a, not a member of the military, but somebody who had gone down the path to extremism and joined a neo-Nazi movement. And part of what he said eventually brought him out of that movement was being exposed to the people that he thought he hated. He had never actually met them before. He had never actually spoken with them. And so when he had positive engagements with people, all of a sudden it changed a little bit of how he saw the world. And I think that that's hard to do in the online space. Again, you can't just, you know, there's no way to forcibly introduce somebody to a different perspective or point of view, uh, especially in that world. And so it creates challenges for us to think about how can we how can we help people see the other side? Uh, of uh, of whatever the kind of question is, whether it's race, gender, orientation, uh, you know, ethnic background, social background, whatever the case might be, uh, there's a lot of value in in having those experiences, and and unfortunately, it's tough to to get those if uh, you know if we're constrained to an online environment. And COVID, of course, has only made that worse to a certain extent. Absolutely, so, yeah, sir. I, I doctor, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, a lot of the things that you said there. And I read an article recently that, that showed that uh, in 2012, we had a culture shift in, in, in the United States and really the world. And that's when over 50% of the people in the United States owned smartphones. Right. And so uh, what, what I gathered from that article uh, in reading it is that the phone is not allowing our young men and women to be inquisitive, i.e. ask questions, think, because the phone, you could text or talk around your phone, and then as you're going through it, whatever you talked about is going to pop up. If, if, if I said the PGA Tour golf, every article is going to be about PGA Tour golf or ads or something to that effect. And so it is feeding you exactly what you want. And so you don't have to think. You don't have to think about, hey, why is that street named Battalion Avenue? Mm-hmm. Why is the name of the building, I mean, who it's named after? Sure. Uh, and so to me, it's the word inquisitive. And if I could tell it, your listeners right now uh, how, to, how to get better is be inquisitive, ask questions, and, and think. And, and if you don't know the answer, go ask one of your friends, and then that starts up a conversation, and you might learn something uh, today. Sure. Why am I, I so good it. looking? <laughs> I ask that question all the time. I wonder why you're so good looking, Sergeant Major. I mean, no. I don't ask it because I don't want to know what the answer is. <laughs> I don't want to hear the responses. No, they always say I had a face for radio, so I'm in the right job. Yes, you are. <laughs> but I mean, the big thing is is getting to going back to you know engaged leadership, getting to know your soldiers. Um, yeah, I definitely agree. And uh, as 13 ESC, we just had our, our own extremism stand down. It's one of the things that we we talked about. It was a serious conversation. We're talking about people first. The The background behind people first is you got to get to know your soldiers, get to know your leaders, get to know who's around you. Uh, one of the things that Brigadier General Reagan likes to do is he goes on mentorship rucks. With, with the lieutenants. Yes, he does. He's asking them, hey, how's your family? Where are you from? Uh, you know, what, what, makes them, what makes them tick? What makes them them? 
and I know on Wednesdays you both you you had PT sessions with soldiers. Same concept. What what is your your reason for wanting to do that? Well, one, it ensures that um, I'm meeting the same standard as soldiers are for physical training, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 60-something or 17, the enemy doesn't care. That's true. So I, be- I better be able to pull my battle buddy out of a vehicle if something bad happens, no matter how old I am. So that's that's part. But the real part of it is kind of trifold, right? One is you get to know those squads. You get a feel for who they are or the culture inside that squad, which then might lead to kind of what's culture inside the larger unit potentially. Two is you get to see leadership in action, right? And then, you know, the the heart involved because the PT we do isn't overly strenuous, but it is focused on full body fitness and getting after the army combat fitness test, which, you know, there's some things there that are challenging for some, some people. And then last, we bring them in the headquarters here and we walk them through the importance of history and lineage and those that came before you and leader development and you know, we show them kind of the bottom floor, and then we take them up into our offices and show them. You know, this was this is us, this is this is us over time. You know, and so I mean, it's a good it's a good drill for me, um, but but mostly it's to make sure I understand and can pulse what's going on out there since there's ninety thousand warriors inside. You know, the Third Armored Corps, it's our yeah, major America's hammer, America's hammer. Good job. <laughs> no, I, I also to add to that it. I'm a very competitive person by nature. Uh, and so having young soldiers there helps me uh, and motivates me to want to wanna be better and to push myself. And so uh, when you get a group of soldiers around, the competitive com- comes out and you just start competing and it just happens. You don't say anything, right. but it, it just happens. And you can see it. The soldiers are like, okay, see that old star major? I'm going to... I'm going to wear them out today. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's what their third persona is telling them. Um, But, uh, you know, I I think it's important for us to do that. I think it's important to show the young soldiers that, hey, the expectation uh, of you is the same expectation of me and and the CG. Um, You talked about General Reagan. He's up and down the street every single day uh, leading by example because – uh, you can't be a leader if you aren't leading. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great point. So now there back to the extremism, I guess um how are we supposed to address it? And it's it's like I mean it, it exists. It, maybe not maybe not that many people, but it does exist. And I want, you know, how are we telling our soldiers to handle it when they see it? Well, I mean, at its core, extremism, like other activities that don't align with our Army values, there's always a way to talk about it and report it. Sure. The question becomes, back to what Sergeant Ringel was talking is how much do you trust your chain of command to go to them to tell them about this and to have that conversation? Right. And that's what we're trying to drive at people first. This cohesive team, it's all about trust. Mm-hmm. And it, trust goes both ways. Um, and so, you know, we obviously there's mandated training that has sure. to go on. We have foundational days uh, that are once a month. Some units are twice a month. Um, you know, those are opportunities for us to sit down, not only to get to know our team that's around us that we might be fighting them with someday. Um, but to be candid about it. And if you, 
if for some reason you don't feel comfortable in that particular situation talking to your chain of command, mm-hmm. you know, I've got my, my CG hotline, right, that's out there. It's on every electronic billboard. The event you mentioned where we went into the stadium with 1,800 soldiers, they right. couldn't exit without QR code and the SHARP hotline, right. the CG's hotline. And then just, you know, for your listeners that are out there, I'll, I'll give you this number, um, and if you forget it, uh, and you're on Fort Hood, just drive around. And if you forget it and you're not on Fort Hood, um, then just look me up on the global and send me an email. But the number for the hotline here is 254-618-7486. And we take all callers. I'll be honest with you. We take all callers. Well, and here's what happens with it, just so you know. Um, because people are like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, we call hotlines before. and you know, Nothing happens. So it comes into the hotline. Mm-hmm. Figure out, you know, what bucket does this call go in sure can i immediately resolve that problem so we've got a field grade officer that's on it says ah i can connect this caller with somebody right right then our deputy chief of staff follows up in the next 24 hours with the person that called in and says hey did so and so get a hold of you what you know what did you talk about just so we're kind of circling back if we can't connect right away and it's a problem that we pass back to the chain of command sure we kind of follow the same process every friday what goes home with me and my read book for the weekends is a list of every single call that came into the headquarters on the commander's hotline. And the staff hands some open and some closed, and I'll randomly call. Sir, I got to ask, how many of those calls have you fielded since you started this up? Uh, I would Hyde say ballpark? Yeah, I would say we're averaging 20 to 25 a week. Wow. It ranges from mothers calling in that are worried about and their sons December. and daughters. Yeah. That's since yeah. December. Yeah. I, I, I've personally called back uh, 23 people. Easily. I bet you to, call back more than that. Yeah. But personally, me, right. uh, for resolution, uh, 23. And most of them uh, that, that I've talked with are, are parents. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. And we have, you know, we have buddy buddies and teammates that call and go, I don't think so-and-so, you know. And so, so it's a process, but, you know, f- for those that are listening – this isn't a dead end process where you make a call and nothing ever happens. I mean, right. we, we will follow through and sometimes we will resolve immediately. And sometimes it takes months, some of the problems that are coming in, yeah. but generally we're connecting with the human at some point back in the chain. So they make you, they, they understand if it's a CG's hotline, the CG should be taking care of it. Right. Yes, sir. But yes, sir. I, I, I'll go back to this though. So, you know, as a soldier, you know, let's say we're a soldier and, they see a leader in their in their formation that has uh, commitment and competence. Because when you have commitment and competence, you, you're deemed as a really good soldier. Right. But what if that soldier, that leader, doesn't have the character? Because that's what's missing, and it is extreme. And so, you know, you've got a, a somebody that everybody looks up to. He's a good soldier. He can, he or she can fire their weapon. They're good at PT, but they're still missing the character. And I think soldiers are scared to report that because they see uh, a good leader who we think uh, not being able to see the character. I, I would be timid uh, as a young soldier uh, to to report it. However, uh, nowadays, I, I, I'll say what I, what I want <laughs> really quick. Unless it's my wife, then I don't say it. Um, I've learned over time. Smart but, man. But but I, I do think uh, there, there are some young soldiers out there that are dealing with 
with a leader that is has the the commitment uh, and the competence, but lacking the character. And if and if you're not willing to do that, call the hotline uh, and, and and we'll react very quickly. Uh-huh. If that makes any sense, makes sense. Yeah, I think I think uh, I don't have the statistics. This is completely anecdotal. Mm-hmm. I would say probably more than half of the calls that we get in can be resolved by a chain of command, which yeah. is, which is where it normally gets passed back to. Sure. Sure. And I didn't go the, higher than that. Yeah. And then of the rest that are left, some are pretty significant and some of them, they just didn't know who else to call and they saw the number up on a billboard. Right. And so they called in and we direct them somewhere. Sure. And then there's probably, you know, 15% that really actually over time would require a three star to pay attention to what's going on to help out. Cause I get a hold of resources that maybe brigade commanders can't. Right. So, sir, when this show drops, um, talking about getting after it, um, you guys are in the middle. This War. show drops Fighter. on April 8th. Fighter. And something is getting underway. Multinational. All right. Big. The largest yeah, warfighter. The largest warfighter. The largest multinational warfighter. So let's talk a little bit about the great phantom big lethal warfighter. and yeah the, the, <laughs> the, the actual great big podcast <laughs> yeah you know it's the this is what you do for a living this is your day job so yes, it is tell me about it what are, what what's what's going on in warfighter this year lots of foreign armies running around fort hood right now <laughs> yeah it's good it is it's awesome yeah and they're doing a lot of physical fitness too if you look around there they're they're picking the pace up around here and yeah, like, I I need to go run. They're quick, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um so the actual exercise will start uh, on Tuesday of next week. The actual exercise when we you know, we kind of turn turn on the digits that drive the constructive world that will execute this mission in. Sure. Um but we've been going after this since I got back from with the headquarters from Iraq. I mean, within a couple of weeks of me coming off of ROM, we were doing our first command post exercise right. to begin to prepare and then make the connections with the foreign armies, the the third UK and the third French divisions like that are going to participate with us and then connecting first armor division with them and begin to practice right together and rehearse right along the way. And it's been pretty phenomenal. I mean, you know, you, you would think based on where we are in the 21st century that we would all understand exactly how we fight. Mm-hmm. You would think, um, but believe it or not, uh, different armies have different doctrine. Absolutely. And so part of this exercise is about sharing how we fight and then learning to fight together. Um, it'll last about two weeks or so. We hope. I hope it's how many times we like, that, you know, <laughs> how many times we have to redo it. Um, but, uh, so but is it, this kind of deja vu for you uh, from what you experienced when you were deployed? Yeah, I th- uh, in the deployed environment, um, you know, we had 27 troop contributing nations for right. Operation Inherent Result. Like, it, I mean, they were physically present in the mission. Sure. Um, and and so the headquarters is somewhat accustomed to f- fighting as a part of a multinational coalition. Um, this, though, the change here is this is not counterinsurgency. This is large-scale combat operations. Bringing everybody else into the Yeah, fight. and that's, you know, we the Sergeant Major and I talk about it all the time. That is a change in culture for our Army. It so, requires us to think differently. And, the, you know, the thing I always use it, Sergeant Major's got a better example. I, you know, there's no more four-man stacks on doors. 
This is about assaulting the building. Right. That requires combined arms. So this this warfighter, this multinational, will help us gauge how we're going to fight with our partners and how we're going to do it in large scale. Right. Ground combat operations is a part of the joint force. So I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. It's also uh, it helps us with the modernization piece uh, with with other countries. Um, you know, I, I I've always said. Uh, this, you know, since probably 2017, as we started to talk about large-scale combat operations, is I want you to take all your soldiers, hold them upside down, shake them, <laughs> dump all the coins out of their pockets, and then flip them over, and, and, and let's get moving because we're not doing coin anymore. We can't think that way. Right. It's, it's large. Right. You know? um, yeah. It, you know, the co- I'm gonna. Can I use that? Am yeah, I allowed absolutely. to use the, shake the coins out of the pockets? That's right. Turn them upside down. <laughs> so. I'm gonna quit using that four man stack. I like that better. The other, I think, the other thing, and the sergeant major um, will shake his head vigorously. This is an opportunity that we only get every 18 months. This type of an exercise at right. this scale with this headquarters. So this is an awesome leader development opportunity for us the young majors and lieutenant colonels that are on the staff that are going to get to do this and practice it for the first time in a multinational environment. The next time they do this, they'll probably be master sergeants, op sergeant majors. They're going to be a grade plate up. Sure. And they might be the people cutting the orders and practicing on the map, not just standing back there going, boy, that looks pretty good out there. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for us, us as an army um, to develop the leaders of the future. Yeah. And I- Totally agree, with you, sir. And, and you know, you hear people saying, uh, "Why are we doing a warfighter? We're not deploying." Or why am I going to GRTC or NTC because I'm not deploying? Hey, we we trained for I don't know how many years and didn't go to war for a long period of time, and I always went to NTC, GRTC. Right. It, it's it's part of our development. Uh, hey, the army is we're, we're here in the warfighting business. And that's how we train. And, and so we're privileged uh, to be able to, to do a warfighter as a core. Yeah. And it's all about phantom lethal. Phantom right. warrior. Phantom lethal. It's good. Absolutely. Closing thoughts, sir? Uh, let me pass to our major. So people first. Um, there's a lot of different definitions out there. And it changes from the soldier level to the junior NCO level to the platoon sergeant to the first sergeant battalion brigade blah it goes it keeps going and it, and it and it changes uh, based on experience uh, based on I won't say age I'll say wisdom maturity, maturity <laughs> and it changes but the CG's definition is fit disciplined highly trained cohesive teams led by engaged leaders People are always at the center of all we do. Um, and he talks about our tanks, trucks, rifles, etc. They don't operate without the people. And, and that's the definition of people first at the third core level. If you go down to 11th TTSB or 3CR, first cav, and talk to a soldier, they're going to tell you that, hey, you know, I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that take care of me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to channel Jimmy McCants here. You know, I, I got to tell you, I, like I said towards the beginning of this, you know, he told me as a young second lieutenant, you take care of your people, they'll take care of you. So I don't know who's listening out there, but you stray away from that, something, something's not going to go right that day, right? Just take care of your people. 
And if you're a squad leader, you only got to take care of like nine people. If you're a platoon leader, you only got to take care of, you know, well, infantry platoons have more, right? But I mean, if we just all kind of do our job, right, it'll be okay as we grow up through the ranks. It'll all be okay. And in the end, um, you don't know when you're going to go fight together. No doubt. Because the enemy has a vote. So you better build trust and cohesion in your teams. And you can only do that through shared experience and taking care of your people. Yes, sir. And that's why we do PT with the soldiers every day is because, and, and the CG tells them, we don't know when that call is going to come and you better be physically fit to start off with. Because if you're physically fit to start off with, you got a chance. That's right. I think the last thing I'd tell you that we have really kind of not talked about today is, and it's a, it's a little bit on the Chief's Gold Triangle and we're going to turn it into the Caltrop, right? There's some other people on there that really matter. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, you know, a few of them earlier. But we would certainly be remiss, you know, if we didn't offer our thanks to the families that are out there, um, whether they're extended or otherwise, whether they're here with their soldier or not, right? Um, because they do endure, you know, some of the challenges associated with being married or loving a soldier, Right. And then we've got a host of Department of the Army civilians that do a tremendous job providing continuity that then allow us, the soldiers, to get out and get after it. And they're all a part of this equation, too. Right? Yes, you got to take care of them as well. Well, I appreciate that, sir. We weren't <laughs> talking about you. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Forget <laughs> me. All right. No, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming on the program. And uh, I hear we're going to make this a regular gig, at least until you, uh, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, if we did it once a month, we figured out something that was important, um, not necessarily to us to talk about, but maybe the the yeah, listeners. Absolutely. And that would um, kind of augment all the other podcasts and other shows that you do. That I think that would be good. It'd be a way to help. And then if somebody actually does listen to either of us, you know, maybe they've got something they can feel. Well, there you go. Sir, I appreciate your time, Sergeant Major. It's Phantom, always a pleasure. Phantom usually. Phantom what do you mean usually? <laughs> this guy. Yeah, well, you know. All right. And uh, we will be back with closing thoughts from the cast, the crew, after this. Let your voice be heard at BOSS. What's BOSS? BOSS stands for Better Opportunities for Single Soldiers and serves the single service member community, active, guard, and reserve, as well as single parents, geographical bachelors, all U.S. military service branches, and foreign service members assigned to the installation. The BOSS program is based on quality of life, community service, and recreation and leisure. As a member of BOSS, have a voice in how you live, how you spend your leisure time, and how you support the community around you. Boss membership and the program's available leadership and project management roles also will enhance your promotion packets. For more information about how you can become a boss member, visit our website at hood.armymwr.com. Fort Hood's great big podcast. 50% of the time, they're right. 50% of the time. So, we have now had the commanding general of the Third Armored Corps, America's America's Hammer. Hammer. Yes. So it's oh, like, yeah. I mean, it was great. I, I mean, and they're, they're very well-spoken. They, they play well off of one another. Uh, you know, it's good to hear their views on extremism, you know, how we can handle it. Yep. Uh, we have a, a guest speaker. We may or may not have uh, 
you know, say goodbye to. Yeah, I kind of forgot that. Mm. Yeah, yeah I feel like, horrible. I, well, I forgot he was on there, and then it's like, you know, I <laughs> kind of say, all right, we'll be back right after this, and go, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Dr. Milton's still on the line. That's okay. <laughs> I, I said thanks off air. Yes, a yes, lot profusely. I forgot since I forgot and I came across as rude, <laughs> but okay, you know. And also, that, people first. That was that was good too. Well, it is all uh, about people first, isn't it? it? Is. Yes, it is. And you are my peeps. Yes, like letting our people <laughs> through yes. the door, even if they don't have the proper credentials that they're here all the time. But security's just doing their job. I'm yeah. just glad they did not tackle you. <laughs> hey my people are those easter peeps <laughs> i love peeps. those marshmallows though all right they have all hot right. tamale ones i'm sorry i i don't know about you guys but i probably put on a good four pounds over the weekend <laughs> what did you uh, i probably did that too uh, <laughs> pizza is that no, a normal no well thing? you know i I'm, i made ham and you know it, the the theme that i did was ham and cheese because I'm mm. from Wisconsin, oh, right? Yum. So you had uh, double stuffed, you know, the double baked uh, baked potatoes yeah, covered yeah. in cheese, right? With sour cream, it. you can throw on top of that. Then I there was, uh, you know, so. extra cheesy mac and cheese. Mm. Then there was bacon-wrapped asparagus. Well, that's ham, right? I love asparagus. Yeah. Keep going. And then there was the, you know, Virginia ham. Right, that was the What's meal. What's the difference between Virginia, Virginia ham, ham and regular ham? I don't know, man. I it's, think it's sweeter. It's, I think. it's smoked and... Yeah, it's sweeter. And it's from Virginia. And it's yeah, it's from Virginia. It's like what's the difference between a Maine lobster and a lobster? Uh Maine lobster's from Maine. Well, see, same thing. <laughs> same thing. It's wicked same awesome. Thing. But and then of course cheesecake for dessert, right? Oh my goodness. Mm. But you add into all that the wife baked like it was Christmas. She made six different <laughs> kinds of cookies for the kids to take home with them. Um, where are Ooh. these cookies? Uh, they're at home. And more than half went out the door <laughs> with the kids. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. You could have brought them uh, Yeah, in they should be sitting, you know, uh, sampling should be sitting in here. And we could really make Brianna feel bad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would make me so sad. But we are taping this one after lunch. So you can't give me this I'm hangry look. Um, oh. I didn't get a chance oh. to eat because I was working. And every time I tried to you eat. You didn't eat yet. No. Oh man. Yeah. Oh. Then when I got your text, I was like, "Oh my god, I gotta go." <laughs> hey, are you guys on the way? Um, but yeah. when I get back, I will. I will uh, eat my lunch. Uh, I well, hope. in between people bugging you about warfighter stuff. <sighs> yes, and then there was a guy that wanted to. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> Service and printers. I don't have the keys to that, sir. You got to go downstairs and ask them. Do I look like I'm a a, a key custodian? No. Well, I'm serious. Both of you guys are taking part, and you're showing up and doing things over there. How cool is it to be among the international forces I of the it. UK yeah. and France? I have always loved the British and the French as well. It's all about that interoperability, especially right? in the military. Yeah. Because you know? yeah. we, at the end of the day, once we start doing this large-scale combat operations, yeah, we can't do it without our NATO partners, can we? And that's why we need to train with them. Yep. At, that's my two cents. And, and, and you can't right here at the great place, it's happening it right is. now. <laughs> they can't know. I like seeing they, their they different They can't know uniforms. secret squirrely things, so. 
Yeah, the but uniforms you, are cool. I do like them. Yeah, although I always get nervous when because I, you know, obviously we don't know their rank structure, oh, no. and <laughs> I'm always afraid <laughs> like some super important guy is gonna walk by me and I'm gonna have no idea what, that he's a general or something. Well, that's like you have a lot of international students at the defense inform at Fort Meade yes. Defense Information School, mm. and you'll have all these, you know. Uh, Troops in advanced individual training, so a lot of privates nothing. and PFCs running around, and they're saluting everybody. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. If me, it's a foreign you. uniform, they're for? saluting it. But, uh, yes, I've, I've been saluted a lot many times when I was overseas, and I'm just like, no, don't, don't salute me. <laughs> yeah, I'm not <laughs> But special. sometimes I just take it. I'm yeah, just sometimes specialist. I'm just like, I know, right? Forever specialist. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So, so, Dave, what you're saying is we just need to make you do an Easter egg hunt next year so you so you don't gain the weight. No, I just need to figure out a better, you know, less uh, calorie-filled meal to cook. I could have used some of that. I had leftover pizza, so uh, thanks, Dave. Thanks for I mean, invite. pizza's great. Brianna. <laughs> leftover pizza's the best. Mm, Brianna. Yep. No heat up needed. You have a really good idea right there. What's that? I think we should do it. An Easter egg, egg hunt. hunt. We should make Dave go on an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> oh, yes. God. And in one of the eggs, there will be Brianna's license. <laughs> right. Weird flex. Plot twist. All right. So we had a lot of information it. this week. And thank you so much for making the effort to come on down. Uh, yes. You know, next week, hopefully, we actually get the entire crew in the room at the same time. That would be right. awesome. But yes. with this week, we are pushing up on an hour, so we got to go. So since you didn't make it in and, you know, Melissa, well, you weren't here last week, so you have to take us out. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> Toodles. Peace out, Girl Scout. Talk to you next week on the Fort Hood's Great Big Podcast. Okay. How'd you know I was a Girl Scout? <laughs> <laughs> it's what my husband says all the time. Peace out, Girl Scout. Bye. <laughs> Say something, Brianna. Oh, I'm having a harder time hearing y'all. Ah! Oh, he shut your uh, <laughs> volume down. No, I didn't. That that only. I'll, I'll, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Bye. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and we're out. Peace. We out. Driving down the road again. Tar starts thinning and cracks crumble to gravel lines. Just on the travel, though I know.